This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Something else, obviously, tech avails to us, and we've been talking about it when it comes to handguns. You know the story of the shooting on the Danforth and now this $150 million lawsuit that's been filed by uh, two plaintiffs directly, uh, Ken Price and Patrick McLeod, whose families were directly involved in the events of that shooting. Both are also, as I say, uh, involved very intimately in this suit. Now, Mr. McLeod says Smith & Wesson, the manufacturer, had a chance to install smart gun technology on the handgun that was used that night. There was an opportunity back in 2000 for them to implement uh, smart technology on that weapon. And they chose not to for political and uh, other reasons. It cost a lot of money to do that. So that handgun ended up coming up into Canada uh, and was stolen and used by somebody who shouldn't have had a handgun and uh, caused a lot of damage and grief. All right. And uh, his accomplice or uh, his colleague there, Ken Price, suggests that gun owners and hobbyists would be in support of smart technology on weapons. We'd go to a lot of trouble to go through all the testing, and there's a lot to actually owning a handgun, and we would agree with that until, you know, people abuse that privilege. And so why wouldn't they want to have something that deters that? And that's where the smart gun technology should help in that process to align ownership rules to what the law is. All right. And so uh, he's fairly confident on that matter. Let's get Tony Bernardo in here, the exec director of the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Tony, long time no talk. Appreciate your joining the Oakley Show. Well, it's always nice to be with you there, John. So when uh, Mr. Price suggests that gun owners and hobbyists would be in support of smart technology on weapons, the kind that was described by Patrick McLeod that Smith and, we- Smith and Wesson, he says, had a chance to install back in 2000, uh, how do you feel about that? Would you be in agreement that this is a good thing? Well, you know, if they could make it work, I think people would actually be looking at stuff like this. What do you mean? Uh, how, how could they not make it work? It doesn't work. The technology doesn't work. And, Why not? Um, well, for a number of reasons, but uh, mostly technical. The, the original intent of the smart gun technology was to fit police firearms with this so that in the event of an officer in a scuffle who was disarmed, the handgun could not be used against the officer. That is obviously a very, very desirable item. The smart gun technology that was developed simply wasn't reliable enough to be able to do that. And instead of police embracing it all over the world, they rejected it because it simply doesn't work. Well, is there some kind of iteration that uh, might improve upon what initially uh, was found to be vulnerable and maybe we can improve and, you know, make it a fail-safe? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, for, truthfully, this, this uh, technology has not uh, been shelved. There's still people working on this technology, trying to make it so it actually does work. Because as I say, for police officers in particular, this would be a very desirable technology to have. Well, what about just the rank-and-file gun owners such as yourself? I mean, uh, you know, because we hear off times where the guns are actually stolen, uh, you know, 50%, which we know uh, the number is somewhat inflated because those that don't have the serial numbers are ascribed (laughs) to being domestically uh, sourced. But if they uh, have anybody, you know, these legal guns fall into the hands of somebody who steals them or otherwise, you know, they're sold to them... uh, would it be some kind of a signature that would be only uh, available to a person who, you know, has purchased the gun or has registered it or, you know, that kind of thing? Could you see that being a potentially good thing? Uh, well, maybe. 
Um, you know, it depends on the circumstances uh, by which it was developed and for what purpose. Um, for example, I was in a United Nations meeting about 10 years ago, and the, the topic of smart gun technology was discussed. And one of the things that was, was brought up was every single method they had of using circuit chips to do smart gun technology, the chip would be destroyed in 5 to 10 seconds in a microwave oven. Right. Uh, if, so if, that if, defeats if, it. If, yeah, and if criminals were going to be using these firearms, you think they wouldn't figure that out really quickly? Well, of course they would. And and so where it then becomes a problem is, let's say, for example, you go to the shooting range recreationally, and you're out there, you know, minding your own business and shooting your firearm, and you're there with perhaps your son or your daughter, or you're there with your, your wife or husband. And they say, you know, I, I, it's my turn. I want to try a few shots. Oh, well, you can't. Now we have to pro- reprogram the gun because it only works for me. Right. Okay. All right. What you're saying is it might be an inconvenience. It, well, it, it might be more than an inconvenience if you have to buy two guns exactly the same make and model so that you, you can shoot one and your, your spouse shoots the other. Um, that, that becomes a pretty expensive inconvenience, especially when you consider how how few the incidences of this are. So how does it work right now? Just help me out, because, I mean, is it something akin to uh, a password that you log in, or is it a chip that you identify through a retinal scan or a fingerprint? How does it work? Well, uh, okay, so it doesn't work in any of those manners. It usually works with either a radio-emitting watch or a ring. Um, I've seen ones that were done on a magnetic ring, where literally the ring... When you held the firearm, it pulled a, a catch over with the magnet. At least it, it did sometimes, and sometimes it didn't. And, um, you know, in terms of a password, well, you know, excuse me, uh, hold on there, Mr. Crook, while I put the password in so I could shoot you. Um, right, I get it. It's cumbersome or unwieldy. So, but the other <laughs> is a decoder ring. Somebody can swipe that. Well, that's right. That's right. Oh, geez. And, and, and anything with a circuit chip in it, like I said, you can deactivate it in five to ten seconds. Again, Tony Bernard is with us, exec director of the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. On this $150 million lawsuit against Smith & Wesson, any merit to it to uh, at least get their attention to maybe, uh, you know, be a little more assertive in trying to deter the guns falling in the, the hands of the, the bad people or the wrong people? I mean, it, does it have any merit or validity? Well, I, I don't think so. I mean, realistically, have you ever heard of a company who was successfully sued because somebody misused one of the products. Uh, you know, can you imagine General Motors being sued because somebody took one of their cars, drove it impaired, and killed somebody? Well, wait a minute. There's law, a class action lawsuit against uh, Monsanto with Roundup now. Oh, jeez. Well, no, I mean, it's not a strict analogy, but the point being no, that, you know, not, if no. you, oh, well, if you've got a product that you're making that, uh, you know, somehow is lethal or can no. be lethally used... But let me move forward because I'm, I'm no, kind of... No, just, just back up one second, okay? Let's, let's suppose that somebody decided they were going to sue General Motors because you know what? The technology exists right now, reliably, where you can blow in a tube to prove you're not impaired and the car will not start until you do. So General Motors has that technology to put it in every single car. And let's face it, a lot more people are killed by impaired drivers than by by uh, lawful firearms owners. 
All right. And so what you're saying is uh, if somebody wanted to sue GM, it would be the same premise or pretext that they uh, were derelict in their duty to protect. Again, Tony, what about this issue that surfaced earlier? Somebody uh, called in and said what uh, some of the gun manufacturers are doing now or is made available anyway on the Internet are pieces of guns. And that's sort of uh, a workaround so that if you can't buy a gun directly, you buy various pieces, source them maybe three or four different places, then cobble it together on your own. Is that happening? Um, I'll give you a guarded no, a guarded yes. Okay, you can buy a thing called a, an 80% receiver. However, that's got to be registered, so it's already a gun. So you, you can buy the gun, you can build the gun as a hobby, but the very first piece you have to buy is the receiver, and by Canadian law, that is the firearm, and it has to be registered. I see. Uh, very okay. quickly, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the other big story, of course, this is the thing that continues to uh, go on, and you've been interviewed countless times on this issue, whether or not a gun ban has any merit or validity. Well, they're already banned from crooks. I understand. All right. But, but the idea is, I mean, the legal, the legal guns are falling into the hands of crooks, or so it's being said. Uh, so do you think that just getting rid of right. all and any guns had a female caller who was uh, suggesting, why do we even need them to begin with? What's your answer? Well, why does she need them? I, what, uh, she doesn't get the right to decide what I need, and she doesn't get the right to decide what you need. She only gets to decide what she needs. And that's, that's good. Yeah, but if there's, a, a consensus, if there's a consensus, okay. or at no, least no, a critical no, no. mass... No, no, sorry. Democracy is not two wolves and a sheep figuring out what to have for lunch. Okay, real real democracies happen when the when everybody protects everybody else's rights. Those are real democracies. So no, as long as people aren't 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 breaking the law with their firearms, what's what's the issue? The, the, to say that they might fall into the hands of bad guys, yeah. And, but until we get some real numbers, we don't even know what we're talking about because the only, the only police service in Canada that keeps real numbers are the Toronto Police Service. And their numbers said 9.3% originated in Canada. 9.3. By the way, uh, access to information requests. The ones that are coming across the border, uh, we know uh-huh. there are vulnerable entry points, including native reserves. Well, Do you think yep. the government's doing enough to police those reserves? Not even close. Not even close. Why they're is politically, that? They're politically incorrect and totally off limits. Sorry, that's the truth. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, right now, Canada Border Services, I've got to give them a great big pat on the back. They have been upping their game now for several years. They're interdicting more firearms at the border than ever before. But there's still firearms getting through because, you know what, whenever you've got criminals and you've got a demand... They will fill the demand. Practically speaking, though, politically, uh, you know, when you've got Bill Blair, he's the point man on this, uh, and they're going across the country and sort of sounding the waters. If there is, you said, you know, a democracy and uh, two wolves don't get to choose uh, with a sheep what they're going to have for dinner. But the point being, if you have uh, in a majority situation uh, or even, you know, an overwhelming majority, can you see the prospects of a gun ban being implemented in this country, even though you may not like it? I can see the prospects of it happening. Um, I don't know what they're going to do when it happens and, and nothing happens in the crime world because it's not going to have any effect on crime whatsoever. Well, not even the smallest amount. They'll burn that bridge when they get to it. Otherwise, they'll feel pretty good about themselves, Tony. 
Well, I, I guess that might be true. But in the meantime, you know, trampling the, the rights of people who haven't done anything wrong in order to prove some point that you don't even have evidence of proving. I mean, I, I just think this is really bad government. It's really a bad way to run a democracy. Yeah, but do you see it coming on balance? Do you think, uh, what are the prospects uh, of a gun ban coming in? Well, I, I think they're, you know, given the liberals and the direction they're moving, they're probably pretty good, at yeah. least for some firearms. Right. You know, but re- remember, this isn't the first time they've done this. Back like, 25 years ago, we had this gigantic firearms act, 144 pages of laws dumped in our lap, and they said, don't worry, you'll get used to it, and everything will be good, and we'll never have to bother you again. Well, they've never let up, not for one year, in bothering us. Okay, crime keeps going down and down and down, except, of course, in Toronto, where the gangs are out of control, and you've got a mayor that's totally ineffective at getting them under control because he's so busy about worrying about getting reelected that he doesn't actually do anything constructive. Tony, I'll let you go on that note. Uh, I've got to leave you. I appreciate your weighing in. Uh, I was anticipating that you'd be against any kind of uh, restriction on the handguns apart from what already exists in law. But thanks so much for your time as always. Take care, John. Tony Bernardo. Again, he's the exec director of the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 